1: What's up, Road of His listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Road of His Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Road of His Overtime podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into another Road of His Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRadio2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the ROToviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do, have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare. Please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show.
2: We're talking routes, expected points, and winning the flex on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up,
1: Roto-Viz?
2: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at RotoViz. We have an ex- episode here that I am very excited to talk about. Uh, we have some research coming out of our good friend Blair Andrews' articles on the site related to some of the new data that we have. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. How are you doing, Curtis?
3: Doing great, man. Uh, it, was, it was great yesterday to get back into the flow of things. After being off, I feel like vacation brain is gone. I'm back into, uh, I'm back into production mode. We had some great conversation. And uh, yeah, I, re- I really like the, the plan for this episode between Blair's work, some Dynasty stuff, and uh, a deep dive about one of, I think, an underutilized, underappreciated tool on our site, but from a strategic roster construction perspective, maybe one of the more useful tools on our site. So yeah, great things ahead for those of you tuning in.
2: All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is an article that Blair published recently, called Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and why fantasy football doesn't have to be that hard. An introduction to some new and old advanced wide receiver metrics. So in this article, which you will have to actually check out because there's just too much information in it for me to try to explain. But basically what Blair did was build a correlation matrix, which is a table where on the horizontal axis, you have season N plus one. On the vertical axis, you have season N. And what you're looking at is how different stats interact with each other. And in this case, correlate year over year. And why I loved this article so much is Blair, like we often do at Rotoviz, found that something that seems intuitive doesn't really add that much to our predictive arsenal or doesn't add as much as people might think so we have seen routes run become a metric that people are super interested in as of late now there are some things that you can do with routes run which we will be doing that should be pretty interesting but if you look purely at the number of routes that a wide receiver runs it actually does not give you that much more insight um, into a player's fantasy scoring. So there's actually not much additional predictiveness from knowing how many total routes a player runs in fantasy football. And as Blair points out, a reason for that is that the player's total number of routes largely depends on the number of games that he played. But even if you take that down and pair it to per-game routes... What we're seeing now is that teams are so often in three and four wide receiver sets that most fantasy relevant wide receivers are on the field for every passing play. There's three or four other players on the team with them. So when you're looking at all of these guys that we're going to be looking at, there's really not that much difference in the number of routes that a wide receiver runs and a wide receiver three runs. So, this is actually has pretty big implications, Curtis, because if we see people talking, or if we're talking about players and we want to say, well, you know, player X ran, you know, this many routes uh, versus player Y, A, there's probably not going to be that much of a difference that it's material, but B, it really might not give us that much more predictive power. Over the fantasy scoring that we're going to see from a player um, versus other metrics we could commonly look at. So I'm going to let you react to that, but then I'm going to talk about why one of the metrics we've been looking at RotoViz for years still remains one that we have to look at, not just for wide receiver but all positions.
3: Yeah, I I mean, I just love Blair's stuff. Uh, so much and I think he did a great job in this uh, article as well because I mean what feedback that we get and I mean Blair is very very aware of it I mean Blair is a very heady writer listen you can't come to the table to read a Blair Andrews article like you're not going to just thumb through it in two minutes because he's going to give you a lot of research uh, he's going to lay out you know usually um, pretty important arguments that um, take some time to settle in but then once you understand um once you understand the the research and and what the what the data actually says cuz he's not coming to the table with a fully baked idea that he's then researching and trying to support He's, he's just looking at the data and letting it you know letting it guide um what we should do uh that is the headspace you have to be in to read a Blair article i mean his stuff on our site is is some of the most gold uh that you'll find uh ever since the inception of, of Vertiviz, and so i i think taking on this argument when so many in the industry have used things like routes run or yards per target in particular, um, have been very, uh, I I think very compellingly argued over the past couple of years. And from some, you know, major competing sites and some, from some very celebrated, uh, fantasy personalities, you know, this is a, a pretty big argument to take on, but you know, at the end of the day, fantasy points predict future fantasy points. I mean, I think that is uh, in terms of year to year to year. I, I think that's easy to remember. Uh, it's certainly convenient for me. One less thing I have to remember. Um, it's not some, you know, crazy hidden metric. It's just, you know, what have you done for me in the past? Uh, uh, in, in terms of actual fantasy points scored, uh, maybe the most reliable piece there. You know, we do rely heavily on expected points. Um, at Rotoviz, because it also is um, a, a pretty good predictor of future fantasy uh, scoring. It's a great way to look at you know players who are efficient tend to um, stay efficient the next year, but also have a, a, a greater chance of breaking out. And so when you start looking at players who maybe didn't score as much last year, but then you're trying to sort through who are those potential breakout candidates, that's where we want to bring in some o- other metrics to help us identify those players. Um, but you know, I you know from a top down, um, from a top down you know projection standpoint, Dave. You know, with you really heading up that department for us, I'm just wondering, like after reading this article, you know, did it give you any thoughts to you know how you know certain offenses that you would want to go back to, or even really going back through the entire exercise um, to take a look and see, you know, does the fantasy point uh, activity from 2020 does that actually creep into the way that you approach some of these offenses?
2: (laughs) Well, you know what the funny thing is, Curtis, I am glad because when I started playing around with some of this data this year, one of the first things I started looking at were routes run. And one of the things that I was, yeah. So one of the things I was super interested in, and as an analyst, it was kind of a bummer, right? Because you're always looking to find some breakthrough of something that we weren't aware of before. I wrote a ton of code. Well, not really a ton, but it took me a while to figure out how I wanted to do it to really be able to dig into when a certain wide receiver is on the field and running a route, how many other players on his team are running routes and in which situations. Uh, But what I found was there's not really that much of a difference. So if I'm looking at the Steelers, there's not really that many times that Juju Smith-Schuster's on the field and like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool aren't to the point where it becomes material. Um, So I started going down a rabbit hole on routes run and I was not able to find much that said, I really need to start thinking about things differently in terms of how I'm doing receivers. So I kind of have been going with my old tried and true formula of how I originally set up The version of the projection machine that we do that we use now, which is largely based upon what Fantasy Douche had set up in the past. And then what Mike and I, Mike Beers and I worked into the version that people use now. Blair actually notes in the article is uh, because yards. uh, I'll spare you reading the paragraph, but these are the two sentences, maybe out of context, which are just perfect. What this means is that fantasy gamers can use catch rate in yards perception, not yards per target in creating projections with some degree of confidence. The Rotoviz projection machine uses exactly these metrics to help create our site projections. So Blair's work found out uh, that there's a lot of evidence supporting the way that we had the projection machine set up. So to answer your question, I didn't let it factor in that much. And it looks like that was the right decision.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, that that's great. Um, it's nice. I nice to have to go back and do <laughs> a lot of rework, especially since you've taken a tour, you know, around the league. But um, this is just a really great article. Um, certainly, you know, for those of you that listen to the, uh, you know, to the to the radio channel and our show in particular, you know, this is one um, that is really worth a subscription. If you, if you like listening to the show, um, uh, in our whole menu of shows, that's great. But there's some stuff that just doesn't translate to radio. Um, some of the research-heavy stuff, and you know, Blair is certainly an author that can help to change the way you think and approach fantasy, um, especially if you're somebody who plays a lot of different formats and you're looking to, um, you know, figure out how do I want to approach team building and roster construction um, and and player targets, whether it's in startups or trades. Um, Blair's a, a person that can help you build a, a foundation. With the way that he approaches fantasy and so i would highly encourage you to check out this article he really breaks it down into digestible parts uh goes through all of the different um data points that that he considered uh in this correlation ma- matrix you know we've got some some background on routes run and per route metrics uh our top efficiency metrics the top opportunity metrics and then of course the ultimate takeaway that the single best metric for predicting future fantasy points is past fantasy points <laughs> Um, but you've, you've got to, you know, that that's way, that's just way too simple. Yep. I mean, you got to go through this journey. Um, it's, it's very, very convincing. Um, and you know, it's, it's bulletproof. Uh, it really is bulletproof the way, the way it's laid out. Doesn't mean that there's not some metric that hasn't been invented that maybe is more predictive, but of all of those things that are out there in the industry and been dreamed up by anyone with all the smart people doing this, uh, analysis year over year over year. Uh, it really does boil down to fantasy points.
2: Right. And like you said, that's a little bit of an overly simplistic takeaway. But if you read through the article, you're understand why I did want to talk a little bit about expected points, but I want to keep things moving. So I'm going to trust that everybody's going to go and read that article and they'll get the other key pieces of information uh, that I wanted them to hear from the article. Okay, Curtis, we are recording this on July 19th, people will probably be listening somewhere between like July 20, July 22nd. What should dynasty managers be thinking about this time of year?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Oh man. Oh man. This is this is a huge uh corridor of activity between now and really week two of the NFL season. You can totally overhaul a roster um from basically any any uh dynasty management um perspective. So, you know, first let's start um let's start like with with managing your your roster the hard way uh through trades. Um and, and you need to assess what are my chances this year, um, and what do other uh, dynasty managers in my league think about their chances? You can't probably know that for sure, but you can look at their rosters and look at their behavior, especially if it's an established league. Um, kind of look back at some of their behaviors in, in past years to know, okay, this is a, this is a manager who goes forward every year. Uh, I know I can trade, you know, aging veterans that'll produce now. Uh, to this player, uh, this team has clearly already showed that they're rebuilding, traded away all their studs in the, the rookie draft, that type of thing. So I think it's helpful. A lot of time has passed since the spring and all that activity around most of those rookie drafts. So go back and 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 just kind of get yourself ready. Now you're going to look at your roster and say, you know, just like we talked about, um, just like we talked about uh, in an episode uh, yesterday around Austin Eckler, who are some players on my roster that I could trade for players um, and maybe pick up a little something extra. So we talked about Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, You know, potentially some players that might make sense to trade for players that have a little bit more insulation, even at the same position, maybe even the same age. Those are the easy deals to make. Um, other deals that are a little bit more risky to make, and this is where we also blend into some of what our Devy team does, is is moving some of those those older players who we don't expect to to post a peak season again that are really on that firmly on that downhill decline. Players like Julio Jones, who not only is aging but it's switched teams, Adam Thielen, these types of players, um, who still would command something very valuable in return, but you don't expect them to accrue value again. Trading them for next year's rookie picks. This is a great time to trade for rookie picks. Um that is Counterintuitive to what you're thinking. Week one's almost here. You have to set your lineup. It would feel much better to have Adam Thielen in that flex than depend on a rookie you just drafted this spring. But we're trying to have our teams peak in November, December, January. We don't care if they're all the way there in September. Those players are going to break out um, over the course of the year, and even some of those second year players that didn't get you all the way there. Um, you've got to you've got to trust that they'll continue to develop. So when I look at the work that like Travis May. And uh Stefan Lako and Matt wispy are doing as well as Sean and I in the Devi department and looking at some of these exciting names that are draft eligible in 2022. I'm thinking about trading some of those aging players for these early picks, players like Brees Hall, uh running back out of Iowa State, gonna be an absolute monster uh if if his skill set translates to the NFL, lots of uh broken tackles. Um, you know, very elusive back, kind of a better version, slightly smaller, but better version of of what we saw out of David Montgomery in that program. You look at the quarterback position in Superflex, you've got players like Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, and uh, it's about five or six deep of players who could potentially be around one picks again next year. It really is. And at wide receiver, Chris Olave out of Ohio State and Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. David Bell, the monster out of Purdue, uh, was living in Rondell Moore's shadow, but uh, it's all his show this year. Traylon Burks, who is a Megatron-sized beast <laughs> in Arkansas. Lots of really exciting players. I got to mention Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M, the running back, and that team is going to really be able to put up some production on the ground this year. So lots of players to be excited about in 2022. So don't discount um, the strategy of trading some players who might not Uh, you might not need to depend on to win your title, but they just feel like, uh, you know, I mean, they just feel like hot chocolate. You know, it's warming to your soul to know they're on your roster. You (laughs) got to start getting rid of some of those players and giving your team some upside. Then this is super important, and we'll have multiple uh, people on the site giving us some instruction on what to do, including myself. This is like waiver wire season, baby. So if you've got a deep league and, you know, especially... You know, I love the FFPC, love to play there. We've got Rotovitz TriFlex Dynasty Leagues there. But the FFPC is a little bit of a skinnier roster situation in Dynasty. Now, our TriFlex Leagues do allow for a little bit more positional ownership. So this is going to matter more there than in, in the older style FFPC Leagues you've been in. But then we also know, you know, tons of our listeners are playing on MFL or maybe on Sleeper or other platforms where you do have a deeper uh, access to players. You've got to be ready to respond to camp news um, from those players who are undrafted free agents. You got to see who's um, trading teams, um, who are some of uh, who are maybe some higher profile veterans that that get cut that unlock opportunity for others. You know, like let's say Javante Williams really does look like the real deal and, and, and Denver and the team decides to move on from Melvin Gordon and some sort of, uh, move that allows them to get Aaron Rodgers. Well, all of a sudden, like Mike Boone's looking like a you know pretty interesting ad as an end of roster guy. You know, there's just stuff like that that's going to come at you wild and crazy. Sam Wallace was awesome uh, in our blitz segment last year, um, providing some analysis there. I think he'll probably be one of the people I'm looking at to to help me uh, with some of these waiver wire recommendations throughout August. So those are some different um, things that you can be doing. And then also, you just need to um, just try to, I think, just try to be active in following NFL news, not just from a day-to-day standpoint, Dave. I mean, it's like every couple hours. It's going to get nuts. Uh, It's really going to get nuts. And I mean, we're only like five days away from it really starting uh, to tip the scales in that direction of being very 2021 focused. And so um, that is a reminder that we need to stick to our strategy and dynasty. And if you are going for it this year, uh, and and you're not in a perpetual win state, you haven't built that true monster. You have to resist the temptation to make a bad move uh, that makes your roster look good in September. We want those rosters to look good at the end of the season. So, um, I, I guess what I would leave you with is make sure you're reading all of our dynasty content. Make sure w- before you make a move, go back to our rankings. We're going to be moving these guys up and down the ladder um, in response to what we think is real news and not just chatter. Um, so, you know, when we make those big moves, if there are any that are even made over the course of the preseason in camp, we're going to be talking about them on this show. There's going to be articles written about them. Um, don't jump to conclusions too uh, rashly and, and ruin a roster. So, I mean, Dave, is there anything in particular that I hit there you want to respond to, or maybe something uh, you feel that I missed that people should be thinking about?
2: No, I think you laid it all out. And actually, there was a couple of like concepts that I was hoping that you would hit on that you did. So I will just summarize the two things in my mind that i had been thinking about last episode that I was hoping we'd be able to hit upon here. One being... It is very infrequent that you see a team set itself up to the point where it just sits on its laurels and doesn't need to do anything in a given season to be the champion that season. Like you always preach about, you need to go keep evolving your team, not only looking forward to the future, but also making those couple of tweaks that you need to in that particular year to bring it home. And then I think the other piece of information that's super useful for people out there is how important it it actually is, even if you're not playing in Debbie leagues to be aware of what classes are shaping up like. So you still need to do some research so that, you know, when you're looking at your team, if you're going to need running backs in two or three years, which class is going to have those players and how you maneuver yourself into getting those picks. So those are two really important points, um, that you made on the dynasty front. We're going to do it quickly, but we will do a quick deep dive into and you know just for good measure Curtis I hit the uh the wrong sound effect there it is we're gonna do a quick deep dive (laughs) (laughs) into the win the flex uh tool and more specifically projections that you can create with it so Two concepts to talk about here. The first being win the flex, which is an idea that was introduced at RotoViz years ago, which is essentially that when you are drafting your teams, one of the things that really differentiates you is being the team that fills its flex with the best player or the position that makes the most sense getting it. it, But it's, it's also like there's an element of realizing, and I would see people often do this in leagues. They're thinking about their teams in terms of their running back spots, wide receiver spots, tight end spots, quarterback spots, and not realizing the flexibility that the flex gives you the flex allows you to build your teams in different ways so that um you don't need to and and this is stuff i don't think people are really even doing in fantasy anymore but have the thought of like okay i got to get those two running backs in there no you could fill up if your league is one where wide receivers can be more valuable You fill up your three or two, whatever it is, wide receiver spots. And then for your flex, you go back and you put another wide receiver in there. Uh, So we we have tons of articles on that, though. But as it translates into this tool, what Blair has done, another awesome thing Blair has done for us is create this tool that allows you to look at the scoring of different players' based on where they're selected in terms of ADP at the position and then chart this out. And what you will see if you look at it and you go into this tool and there's a lot of different things you can turn on, turn off, but it will help you to realize which positions at which points in the draft you want to be going after, especially if you were employing a value-based drafting approach, which is something that I'm not a huge fan of. We could talk about that later. Uh, And Curtis, you might have to kind of take this back and summarize it, because I I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place. But the other thing that I really like about this tool is that it will let you create projections based purely on a linear regression that is looking at a player's ADP in his position. And it's going to tell you the... RB1 per ADP should score approximately like 248 points. The wide receiver three based upon ADP should score like 242 points. And why I think this is powerful is it helps you to get a better sense of based on historical data, how many points players going at different spots in the draft are likely to be scoring. Um, And there's a lot of applications that you can do with that. But more importantly, it's cool to just pop in, look at the different groups of players and begin to see, you know, really what should the difference between a Chris Carson or David Montgomery versus an Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley look like in terms of points uh, in the coming season. So I know I just, I, I hit upon a lot there. Curtis, you have any thoughts to kind of help like summarize this or other key factors that you want to present?
3: No, I mean I think I think you hit it. Um what we're trying to find is the intersection of when to take certain positions in the draft um and also get people to not necessarily think about the position they're drafting until their flex has been right. filled. Um and yeah, and and so, you know, that's where you end up with unique builds especially in larger field stuff. Um, like the Scott fishbowl or like the FFPC main event um, that you can draft in um, right now, um, or like even some of the, some of these, you know, crazy best ball uh, tournaments, you know, the FFPC has a hundred thousand dollar prize in their big best ball tournament this year, you're going to need to be able to have some unique builds, but that doesn't mean you have to be reckless. I mean, those unique builds can be based off of um, things that have uh, actually been successful in recent years. And so, you know the Win the Flex app is adaptable to different um, to different types of settings. Um, all of the popular you know formats are in there. You know we of course allow you to kind of just import. You know two of the things that our our tools are typically built for, and of course FFPC is what comes in face up there. But you can change the starting re- lineup requirements for your league, and the tool will actually remap where the positional value is for the flex. Um, and then you can take a, a view of projections of um, equity in the position you're drafting over the course of a draft as it evolves, and then a value-based drafting um, perspective, which is really, I think, how people typically approach a discussion like how to win the flex. So, for example, you're in Titan Premium, and you know, you're in the end of the second round, and now you're looking at, well, how much does... Does it make sense to, you know, potentially take a stab at Darren Waller, um, you know, versus, you know, my RB2 or my RB1 or wide receiver one if I already started with Travis Kelsey in the first round? Like, this is the perfect tool for that Um, because you can see what is the tight end two, which is what Darren Waller is presumed to be uh, by everyone in the fantasy industry, I think, this year. And certainly, um, I think our projections uh, are, are... Uh, either there or with uh, three with them. I can't remember where they landed after you looked at Kittle. Um, But, you know, starting with tight end, tight end and tight end in, you know, the flex spot is what would happen there. You're now able to evaluate, does it make sense to go with Darren Waller or Austin Eckler or Nick Chubb or, you know, another player that has a similar ADP and what would they typically score? Um, I can toggle through different years to use in the model. So I can just look at, What would the model look like look like if I'm only using 2020 or I can select every year dating back to 2015 um, and ignore certain years, you know, within that as well. So it's a highly modifiable tool. It's a flexible flex tool, if you will. And I think, uh, you know, it's something that it's something that you use um, at the macro level to make sure you're approaching your draft the right way at certain key points. Um, so my my favorite takeaway is really looking at the value, the interpositional value map. And what you see is that um, tight end actually has in a tight end premium format, tight end actually has a lot more value to the flex than running back really once you get past like round three, which is a little bit counterintuitive, but you see some, you know, some of our main analysts here at RotoViz, you know, like Sean selecting Logan Thomas uh, I think it was at 5.11 maybe in the Scott Fishbowl. I guarantee Sean was thinking about this tool when he made that pick. Um, so this is something that, that informs the way that we actually play fantasy. And, you know, I think the results uh, have borne themselves out over time based off of our uh, uh, our trophy cases.
2: Well, I'm glad that you were here with me when I talked about this because I think you just absolutely like hit upon everything that I was hoping I would have expressed. So I'm, I'm glad that you were here to do so. And the final thing I'll mention about the tool is I think that when I first started playing fantasy and decided that I wanted to try to get good at it and get a lot better, there were a lot of important lessons that I had to learn about how you build a team, about how you value positions in specific leagues and, uh, you know, roster construction considerations um, just some key takeaways to how you actually set your teams apart. And a lot of them, a lot of those lessons you're able to visualize with this tool. So it is definitely one that, you know, because it doesn't focus so much on specific players. I feel like people are probably less inclined to go in and check it out, but it's one of those things that can say, hey, like, you know, getting the strategy down is your first step. Figure things out with the players after, and it just helps you really visualize that. So we will be back on Friday. As a reminder, I want you to win a t-shirt, 978-615-9214. Leave us a message and we will see you on Friday.